So last time we were together, we talked about step zero. Step zero on the path to being a trusted leader and creating trusted teams. It's where we start. We focus on ourselves first. Today, we're going to go over being liked and being feared before we dive in to trusted. We talked earlier about people learning one of two ways, imitation or intimidation. They see what works and copy it, or they gauge their behavior based on consequences. Because of this built-in understanding of how people operate, far too many leaders resort to either trying to be liked or striving to be feared. We've all experienced both of these types of leaders before. The reality is, is they often switch back and forth between these two systems. This is the major cause of uncertainty and doubt we see in far too many workplaces and organizations. No one ever truly knows who's going to show up on any given day. The raging hothead who finds every possible way to exert their will. Or the cheerleader for the team who will gush support onto the lowest performers and buddy up to the best players. Maybe they'll make a run for a bag of burgers or give empty platitudes of hollow praise and then suddenly they switch back to being a tyrant once a temporary issue is passed or they don't get their way or they encounter someone who really doesn't matter. In book after book, seminar after seminar, consistency is noted as one of the keys to successful leadership. But unfortunately, those books and seminars fail to give clear direction on how to be consistent. They often give mixed messages or lack real-world application of the skills they're trying to share. In my experience, often the easiest way to describe something is to show what it's not. So let's look at light and break it down letter by letter. Liked. L-I-K-E-D. L. Liar. I. Itemize. K. Keenness. E. Easygoing. And D. Defer. Let's take a look at that first one. Merriam-Webster defines liar as a person who tells lies or has a reputation as a liar. My grandfather used to tell me he'd rather work for a thief than a liar because thieves take a break from time to time. What he was saying was that quite often lying isn't an action. It is, in fact, who that person is as opposed to what they do. And not all lies need to be big lies to undermine the confidence needed to lead. In fact, it is often the small, almost meaningless lies that create the most problems for a leader. If you do not draw a big, bold, red line with the truth, you soon find it far too easy to make easily provable false statements. Your exaggerations become bigger and you find yourself spending time either you know, keeping your story straight or trying to weed out those who no longer buy into your BS. In most cases, this is when you have one set of behaviors and attitude toward your team in public, and then a completely different set when you're in private. Now, I'm not saying senior leadership can't have one type of open discussion in private as opposed to public when they're evaluating their team. 
what I am saying is that when you gush praise and positive reinforcement in public and then start working to replace that person in private, you are in fact lying to them. And it won't take too many instances of this happening before the rest of the team catches on. Once you are known for being disingenuous, your motivational speeches fall flat, your team loses confidence in your words and actions and decisions, and you are soon little more than a figurehead trying to figure out how to stay in your job, or if you're the owner, you suddenly find yourself surrounded by people who are better at managing you than perhaps they are at managing their own responsibilities. There's an old saying, you can tell when you've rotted, it's when the flies show up. Now, lying by omission is just as bad, if not worse. When you walk by defects or learn of issues and choose to stay silent, the people around you begin to understand that maybe you need friends more than you want them to succeed. You are now inefficient, ineffective, and on your way to just becoming a figurehead, trying to figure out how to hold on to your position or try to hold your company together. It is often at this point that some leaders will make a sudden shift into fear-based leadership and sometimes irrational behavior, portraying themselves as under siege and needing people to surround them as they are a victim of some outside force who now desperately needs the team to rally around them. The reality is anything other than the truth is a lie. Be honest with your people and yourself. We also see these same people constantly working the crowds, feigning interest in everyone's personal life and saying very clearly how much they care about each person. They will publicly espouse support and give out compliments and encouragement like it's Halloween candy. That is until they run into a problem or get caught in a lie or they're challenged. It's then that Dr. Jekyll turns into Mr. Hyde. That said, it's not always as extreme as that most of the time. It's simply a matter of that likable person who tries to be everyone's best friend suddenly becomes silent or noticeably absent when they're needed the most. Whether this person is a team leader, executive, elected official, or the owner of the organization, those around them quickly learned they cannot be trusted. That on any given day, they have no idea which personality is going to show. More times than not, when this disingenuous leader finds that the people around them are no longer responding to their just be positive message, they will begin identifying those people as agitators and cancers inside the organization. This is done in hopes that those around the leader still obligated to them or believing their slanted view of the truth will rally around the leader and both work harder to soothe the leader's ego and maintain the status quo. I itemize. Again, Merriam-Webster defines this as a transitive verb to set down in detail or by particulars. Once a leader begins quoting in detail or begins listing off all the things they've done for you, 
you immediately feel either guilt or resentment. One is manipulation and the other is the beginning of a terrible relationship. Itemizing is probably one of the more common traits of poor leadership. It's either a way to guilt someone into a particular behavior or justify the bad behavior of the leader. Quite often, leaders feel that if they constantly remind those around them of everything that they have done for them, that this will create some type of reciprocity and people will want to do better or continue to follow them out of some sense of obligation. Personally, my experience with this started quite young as this was my mother's favorite tactic to get results. Leaders who use this type of behavior will do it so often that it is usually only apparent to those who have just recently become part of the team. Now what this causes is the team begins to avoid the leader at all costs as they know they will likely be coerced into completing some task. For mid-level managers and junior members of executive teams, this often shows itself as presenting their accomplishments versus the team's accomplishments. While they may offer a sheepish, thank you, but the real credit goes to my team, in reality, they will seldom if ever make a real effort to promote someone else's accomplishments above their own, unless that person happens to be in the same room. Itemizing is little more than defending and justifying shortfalls or running to the front of the parade to get an unfair share of the credit. Be mindful of your words and actions. Your team is watching. The letter K, keenness. Again, this is defined as very enthusiastic or excited about. Energy and enthusiasm have their place in leadership, but it can never come from an individual who has limited skills or problems with the truth or who is regularly listing off the reasons why you should be obligated to them. Another extremely common shortcut leaders looking to be liked will use is keenness. They are constantly doling out empty comments, giving pep talks that don't have any real direction or simply telling the person coming to them with an issue that the problem is they need to have a more positive outlook or change their attitude and things will be better. The sheer emptiness of being little more than a cheerleader quickly erodes the confidence of the people around them. General Colin Powell has a fantastic quote about leadership. He says it's when your people stop coming to you with their problems, you failed as a leader. If you can offer little more than excitement and enthusiasm, there will soon be no reason for anyone to come to you. Far too often, what actually happens is that the best employees or volunteers or citizens simply disengage or actively walk away. And what is left is a highly motivated group of low performers with great attitudes, but poor results, or even worse, a collection of yes-men fruit flies who understand how to manage their boss better than how to manage their responsibilities. Under stress, this keenness can easily turn on its head and become yelling, screaming, and accusatory outbursts. 
the same energy that was once yelling a positive go team message can easily be redirected into accusations and blame. A cheerleader is a poor substitution for a coach. In 2009, Mary Barrow was appointed Vice President of Global Human Resources at General Motors. One of the first things she did was reduce the multi-page dress code manual down to two simple words, dress appropriately. This immediately uncovered a common problem small team and mid-level managers often have. The inability to lead, direct, and manage their people without the use of deferring to a higher authority. She stated that when department heads and division executives would call her with the problems that this had created, she would simply ask them, have you talked to your team about this? She would place them back into the difficult position of leadership by taking away the crutch of a bureaucratic and exhaustive set of rules, regulations, and written best practices that they'd been leaning on for years. Instead of leading their people, they would defer to the company. In their mind, this was a shortcut, and as a bonus, would absolve them from having to create a compelling case for what they needed to get accomplished. Most importantly, it would maintain their likability. Hey guys, it's not my fault. Hey guys, I agree with you, but hey, the company says so. This type of deferment to authority may have maintained likability, but over time, it turned the culture toxic. This behavior not only undermines the confidence those around the leader have in them, but also fosters a fertile ground for dissension and sometimes outright mutiny. The leader may see this as a chance to rally his team around him and maintain morale against the big bosses. But what is really happening is that each team member no longer feels that they're in an environment that can be trusted. They don't feel the leader can have their back or is capable of helping them move up in the organization. They feel more like they are under siege than they are active parts of a successful operation. When a team is battling internal dangers, they are totally unprepared for the external challenges. In small government or nonprofits, this can often be communicated through phrases like, we're just a small town or our organization isn't large enough to do that. Again, these are examples of leaders stating they want to, they just can't. This, more than any of the other behaviors we've discussed so far, can have a permanent and devastating effect on the company, on an educational department on a nonprofit group or a small civic government. This behavior ultimately creates either a lowering of standards and a sense of near hopelessness, or it leads to disruptive pushback from inside of the group. Just like with the other behaviors, this can also turn quickly to the leader using the upstream authority as a weapon instead of a tool. 
Suddenly, everyone is working under the perceived threat from the company. Or in the case of small government or nonprofit and civic groups, the threat is coming from an external source looking to actively usurp their authority or their funding. The simple truth is, we all want to be liked. We want people to see us as friendly, kind, and helpful. And there's no reason a great leader can't be those things. What we need to remember is these attributes come after the decisions and actions of the leader prove them to be true. If the leadership goal is nothing more than to be light, the leader ultimately finds themselves untrusted, resented, not taken seriously, and viewed as unworthy of future leadership responsibilities. The truth is every mid-level leader is promoted to the next level by their team members, not by their superiors. We cannot confuse empathy, kindness, and support with being liked. These are critical to successful leadership. And while being liked may seem like a shortcut, ask any parent who's tried to be their child's best friend and they'll tell you it seldom worked out for them or their child. E, easy going. Easy going is an adjective. It's defined as relaxed and casual in style or manner, but it's also defined as being morally lax. Most people would say that working for an easygoing boss or having an easygoing leader in their office is a perfect situation. That is until you've worked for one. At best, this type of leader will stagnate the careers of their team, and at worst, they create a culture of apathy. If you're goal-driven or have obligations of your own, you can find working under this type of leadership extremely frustrating. These leaders will either train everyone from entry level to their boss to understand that the results are the best possible. So we just need to accept them because it is what it is. Or they find team members with drive and abdicate their responsibilities and require the team members to carry the burden of leadership for them. Nowhere is this more evident than in small dealerships, small startups, or mid-sized businesses. The easygoing, laid-back leader will often lament, why don't my people care as much as I do for this business? The simple answer is, it's not their company. We also see this in small government, where officials will make statements regarding not being able to accomplish needed items due to a lack of civic involvement. Both these examples show that far too often, easygoing leaders are really looking to have those around them carry the lion's share of the load. With these leaders, employee empowerment is nothing more than a scam. They're trying to get more by doing less. Again, this easygoing nature can turn very quickly into people blaming. If you've ever worked for a boss, who gained another six months on their job by terminating several employees, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Outside of the business world, this easygoing leader will often attribute poor performance to outside and uncontrollable forces. If challenged on these assertions, they will not only become defensive, but look to cast even more blame 
onto the individuals challenging them. The highest level of accountability is often directed to the people with the lowest level of authority. A successful leader understands that is completely backwards. D. Defer. Again, it's defined as put off, delay, to delegate to another. So let me know. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Are you somewhere in the middle? Let me know what you think. I look forward to hearing from you and I'll see you next time. Remember, like, follow, share, subscribe. The more people are involved with this, the better it gets. Thank you again and have a fantastic day. Thank you for joining us. We depend on listeners like you to promote and grow our channels. We are available everywhere you get your podcast, so be sure to like, follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you like what you heard, disagree with it, or have some input, we invite you to add your comments, reviews and ratings below. Thank you, and have a splendid day.